It's a Mailbag Friday episode of Locked On Braves. Going to be answering your Twitter questions, including some about Charlie Morton. Is he set to have a bounce-back season in 2023? Also, how will Brian Snicker handle the DH spot for the Atlanta Braves with a lot of players looking to get at bats? And also, what happens to Mike Soroka or Ian Anderson, whoever loses out on the fifth starter spot for the Atlanta Braves? They go to the minor leagues. What happens with them? We'll discuss that and also answer some more of your questions on this Friday episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Amastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, you can check out my website, shortstopball.com, to see my previous work and also some in-depth articles on the Atlanta Braves. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. I try to make this podcast as interactive as possible with you, the listener. That way, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're new, hit that thumbs up button to help support the show. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. On today's episode of Lockdown Braves, it's a Mail Bag Friday edition. Going to answer some of your Twitter questions. I don't have a ton out there, so if you're watching live, we already got a good bit watching us here. Make sure you send in those questions, and I'll get to those later in the episode. But we're going to start out with the questions that we did get from Twitter, and appreciate always when you submit those questions to me. And let's start with this one from Chris Baker. I think I can... I may actually end up doing an entire episode on this topic because I think it's a a very interesting one, and I want to dive even deeper into it. But Chris Baker asks, with a healthy offseason, do you think Morton can turn back the clock a few years? Certainly 2022 was not the season we were hoping for from Charlie Morton. And I think there's several reasons for that. And Chris Baker alluded to the fact that a healthy offseason, I think a lot of us, myself included, Forgetting the fact the guy's 38 years old, he came off a serious leg injury in the World Series in 2021 and just never seemed right in 2022. There were glimpses of it here and there, but just never seemed like the Charlie Morton that we are accustomed to seeing, that we saw throughout the 2021 season before he broke that leg. You look at... Uh, I'm gonna, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to throw up some baseball savants percentile rankings here. And you look at these, and obviously there's a lot more blue in 2022 than you see in 2021. But you look at the K percentage, it's pretty much the same. The walk percentage was down, and I think that's key to some of his struggles in 2022. But you look at the whiff rate, it's still there. The chase rate, it's still about the same. The fastball velocity was down just a tick, but not necessarily an alarming amount. Fastball spin was actually better, which maybe that ended up not being such a good thing. The curveball spin was the same. So a lot of those metrics were still the same, but you look at the average exit velocity, the hard hit percentage, the barrel percentage, those were way down from where they were in 2021. And you look at, really, if there's one thing you want to look at with Charlie Morton from 2022, 
it's the fact that when he got hit, he got hit extremely hard. The slugging percentage on the fast on his fastball was a hundred points higher in 2022 than it was in 2021. The slugging percentage on his curveball was almost 200 points higher in 2022 than it was in 2021. And still in 2022, batters hit just 171 against that curve against his curveball. But again, when they were hitting him, they were hitting him extremely, extremely hard. And a lot of that you can see in the fact that he allowed 28 home runs last season. The most he had ever allowed allowed in a single season before that was 18. So we're talking 10 more home runs than his previous career high. That is a big number. If you cut down those 28 home runs and you put it to his previous career high at 18, so you take away 10 home runs from last year, and let's assume those are all just solo home runs that we're taking away, it would have dropped his ERA from 4.34 to 3.82. Still not necessarily where we're expecting Charlie Morton, $20 million Charlie Morton to be, but still much more respectable ERA. Now, if you assume that half of those 10 home runs that were taken away are two-run homers, that would take his ERA all the way down to 3.56. And I know you can't do that, but I'm trying to project next season and hoping that he gets that figured out and he cuts down on those home runs and gets back more to his career norm. I think it's very... Uh, I think it's very good chance that we see Charlie Morton become, you know, a three and a half ERA pitcher again. And I think he's certainly capable of doing that, especially when you look at some of those metrics that we show that are pretty much in line with where they were last year. And I think a big reason for why he got hit hard last year is just missed location. And maybe that's oversimplifying things, but again, I'm showing a chart here. If you're watching on YouTube, apologize for those just listening on audio, but you can you can see his his heat map for his pitches in 2022 compared to 2021, and you can see a ton of red for his four seam fastball over the middle of the plate, and even his curveball, you see a lot more red over the middle of the plate. When Charlie Morton was missing in 2022, he was missing badly, and he was missing out over the plate, and obviously. Those balls are much easier to hit, and they're much easier to hit a lot harder. So I think, you know, just the biggest thing for Charlie Morton is just missed location. And again, when you consider the fact he's coming off a major leg injury, it's understandable that he would struggle with command from time to time. Also, the hit batters, and I know he's always, you know, hit a lot of batters in the past, but it just seemed like every game he was hitting a batter or two with that back foot curveball that he was spiking. So cuts down on that a little bit. Home runs go down to more of his career norm, 16 to 18 home runs. And I think we're seeing more of a, a three and a half ERA Charlie Morton, assuming the other things remain the same. He still gets a lot of strikeouts. You know, command also would help improve that walk rate that was down, but get that walk rate back to where it was, cut down on those home run numbers more to where we've seen in his career. And I think we do see a bounce back season from Charlie Morton, maybe not necessarily being that one or two, but certainly a a middle of the rotation, three and a half ERA pitcher. I I think it's I think it's very fair to assume we could see that type of pitcher again in 2023 from Charlie Morton. 
All right, got a couple more questions want to get to, and then I'll get to some of the ones in the chat as well. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise on the taste, then I've got the thing just for you. Again, you got to try Built Bar. We told you about them a lot here. Uh, they, they are just delicious. They're healthy, and they taste amazing. They're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. They're the perfect New Year's resolution for that diet. Built Bars, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They have unbelievable flavors. My favorite right now, the peanut butter brownie. They also got coconut almond for the coconut lovers out there. That's just to mention a few. You can go to their website and, and see all the different flavors that they have. It's like eating a healthy candy bar. Basically, when you're when you're eating a built bar, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can order them online at built.com as you've always been able to do. But now they are also available at your local Walmart and Sam's Club in the pharmacy section. So go get those built bars, go to Walmart, go to Sam's or like as you've always been able to do, go to built.com and get your built bars today. Next sponsor is another one that I'm very excited about. I've told you about them the last couple of weeks. Big dog speakers. I got a package in the mail, opened up these speakers, wasn't really sure, didn't know that they were going to be a sponsor of the show. So I, I plugged them up and man, was I, I blown away by these speakers. They were loud, but it was a loud and a clarity that I've never really heard out of a Bluetooth speaker before. It certainly uh, was was an amazing uh, experience to hear these for the first time. Uh, again, had no idea where they were coming from, had no idea they were going to be a sponsor. I just had them sent to me and tested them out. And uh, I just can't get over the quality sound that these deliver. The Big Dog Scout is the brand's inaugural model, and it goes big with features that include 105 decibel max volume level, 40 watts, waterproof, charges other devices, 15 hours of playback, and you can pair two together for an enhanced audio. The Big Dog Scout is now available online at bigdogspeakers.com at $99. But if you use our promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your order. So if you're hoping, looking to support the show, you're looking to buy a pair of Bluetooth speakers, go to bigdogspeakers.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off. Again, go to big dogs, bigdogspeakers.com for more information. Jumping back into your Twitter questions, got one from Chris Shaffey who says, who gets the fifth starter sp spot between Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka? Whoever doesn't get it, do they go to the bullpen? Um, a question we discussed briefly throughout the offseason. I said going into the offseason, the safe bet for me to get the fifth starter spot is Bryce Elder. I, I just... I think he's a safer bet out of the three between Elder, uh, Soroka, and Anderson, and there's some others who could figure into the uh, equation as well. But I got to see it from Mike Soroka. I got to see it from Ian Anderson before I'm ready to give them that spot. That being said, if both Mike Soroka and Ian Anderson come into spring training and they look like Mike Soroka and Ian Anderson that we've seen in the past, then I think the job goes to Mike Soroka. 
And maybe this is me, you know, springing into a new year, feeling uh, spring coming hopefully soon and getting geared up for spring training in the start of a new season that maybe I'm getting myself a little too excited and pumped up for a Mike Soroka comeback. I just want it so badly, but I am starting to turn the corner a little bit into hoping, believing, thinking that Mike Soroka is going to get that fifth starter spot. Again, if both of both Soroka and Ian Anderson come in and look good, then it's going to be one of them. And I think if it's between those two, I think it's going to be Soroka. Now, they could all, if both of them look good and everybody's healthy and the four in front of them are healthy, I could see the Braves at least starting the year with the six man rotation. And then, you know, somebody gets injured, maybe somebody regresses, and then, you know, things tend to work themselves out that way. But I could see the Braves doing that at least to start the year. And that would save some innings for some of their starters. That's if everybody's throwing good. You don't just have a six man rotation to have one. You only do that if you have six really good starters that you trust. Now, that they don't want to do that. Again, I think Mike Soroka, if they're both healthy and throwing good, he gets the nod, and Ian Anderson goes to AAA, in my opinion. Neither one of them would go to the bullpen. They both have options. Mike Soroka has one more minor league option left, and Ian Anderson has two, so both of them could be sitting back down to AAA. No problem, but again, if both are healthy, both look good. I think Soroka gets the edge and Ian Anderson goes to AAA. That's how that's how I see it playing out. But again, we gotta we gotta see what happens in spring training. It's gonna be one of the biggest storylines in spring training. That and the shortstop position and Vaughn Grissom and his development, those to me are gonna be two of the biggest stories going into spring training. Next question comes from Baltimore Braves fan. He says, based on our current roster, how many games do you think each of the following players start? At DH, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna go through this list and tell you how many I think. Travis Darno, I think it's ten to fifteen, and probably closer to ten than fifteen starts at DH. I don't think Travis Dar- Darno will DH a ton. I think he'll do it occasionally, but I, I don't think Brian Snicker really wants to DH him a ton. Maybe because I think Sean Murphy is going to get the majority of starts at the catcher position now, so. Maybe we do see Travis Darno get more uh, time at DH just because he won't be catching, you know, probably no more than two times a week. I wouldn't think maybe three max. So perhaps we do see Darno get a, a few more starts at DH, but I still think it's probably more to 10 to 15 times a year we see him in the DH spot. Sean Murphy, I think we see in the DH spot 20 to 25 uh, times a year or times this year. He was in the DH spot 30 times last year. For Oakland, I don't think it's going to be that high with the Braves. I think ideally in a five game or a six game week, I think he starts at catcher four times. He starts at DH one time and then he gets a full day off, you know, once a week. So I could see him getting 20 to 25 starts at the DH spot uh, is Sean Murphy. Marcelo Zuna, you're not going to like this. I don't like this. I think he starts at the DH spot 40 to 50 times. If he's on the roster, he's going to play. Ryan Snickers going to put him in there. So I could see him getting 40 to 50 starts at DH. The only reason I don't have it higher is because I believe he struggles again. And I believe if that happens, I think the Braves will just cut him. Whether July or August, whatever it may be, I think the Braves will just cut him. And 
I also think if you're going to play Ozuna, it has to be in the DH spot. You just can't put him out there in left field at this point. So I got Ozuna getting 40 to 50 uh, starts in the DH spot. Jordan Luplo, I got 10 to 5. I mean, he'll he'll play matchups with him when a lefty's on the mound. I can see him either in left field at DH. It may even be less than that because you he he's solid defensively in the corner. So if there is a lefty on the mound, he's probably going to be playing in the outfield, but I could see him maybe getting 10 to 15 starts. Um, Baltimore Braves fan and asked about Orlando Arcia. I don't see Arcia getting a lot of starts in the DH spot. I, I put five or fewer, but uh, I just don't see him getting a lot there. If he's not starting at shortstop, I think you need him on the bench for, you know, late game utility replacement. If somebody gets injured, you know, being your, your backup infielder. So I don't see him getting a lot of starts at DH. Uh, as far as others who could get, time at the DH position. I think Acuna is there a good bit, maybe 10 to 15 times, maybe more um, to try to keep him healthy and fresh. So I see Acuna getting several starts at DH. I hope one thing I hope we see is I hope we see Austin Riley and Sean Murphy in that DH spot a little bit more to, um, you know, give them maybe not a full day off, but keep their bat in there, but get them out of the field every now and then. Uh, so I hope we see Brian Snicker utilize that a little bit more and giving some of his infielders specifically uh, some days off here and there, Riley and, and Olsen specifically, giving them some days off. So I see them taking up some of those DH spots as well. So, look, there's a lot of players that that need at-bats. I don't think there's anybody throughout the entire year that's going to get 60, 70 starts at DH. I think it's going to be split up a good bit between, you know, the majority, most of the names we mentioned, I'm sure there's going to be some others who come in there and get some spots at DH as well. But I do think those players take up the bulk of it. I think Azuna, especially for the first half of the year, at least is going to get the majority of the starts at DH and either he turns things around and, and it's great. And he continues to get that DH spot or he doesn't. And I think he gets cut mid season. I just, I don't think he's tradable at this point. I think that would have already happened if it could have happened. All right, going to take another break here, come back and answer some of the questions from the chat section. We'll do that next. All right, as far as some news from Friday, we're still waiting to hear on Carlos Correa. The ongoing uh, saga continues. Uh, the latest reports say that the Minnesota Twins could be involved with Carlos Correa now, uh, who he obviously played for last year so that would certainly be something it sounds like perhaps uh negotiations are ongoing with other teams at this point so certainly something as a brace fan you want to keep an eye on because that makes a pretty big difference i believe in the nl east race if he goes to the mets or doesn't or maybe he goes somewhere else uh, in the nl east wherever he may go uh, that become that continues to be the story that is um that is taking over baseball at the moment as we just wait for that to happen. Um, also the Dodgers released uh, Trevor Bauer, which was not a shock, not a surprise. Uh, the Dodgers will pay the remaining 22.5 million on Trevor Bauer's contract. Um, you know, the Dodgers haven't been spending a ton this off season as they've kind of been waiting on this. There's not really anybody left out there for them to spend on at this point. And I've had several of you ask, and I know that's probably going to be one of the questions in the chat section here. No, I don't think Trevor Bauer is a fit for the Braves. Perhaps he is a good pitcher. 
I think he's somewhat just untouchable at this point in a in a bad way. Uh, I don't think any team really wants to deal with that off-field distraction. Braves are already dealing with that with Marcelo Zuna. Somebody, somebody probably gives him a chance just because if he is still the Trevor Bauer that he was, he's going to be good enough for somebody to give him a second chance. I just don't think it's going to be the Braves, and I don't think it should be the Braves at this point. The Braves signed, and forgive me for this name, Yaxel Rios um, to a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training. Uh, he's currently playing winter ball in Puerto Rico, has a 0.65 ERA, 34 strikeouts, and four walks in 27 and two-thirds innings pitched. Has uh, pitched with the Red Sox before in the past, so small move by the Braves on Friday as well. So I believe that's all the news. I believe last time we talked about Rafael Devers signing with the Red Sox, that big deal that was. Um, so that is all the news for today. So I'm going to jump back in to your Twitter questions or your questions that you have here in the chat. Um, Chad Chavers had mentioned CJ Crone as DH. Um, would love that. Uh, I love CJ Crone. Um, but again, we already have a lot of players battling for those DH at bats. And yes, while CJ Crone would probably be an upgrade there. Um, over Ozuna was an all-star last year, obviously with the, the Rockies. I just don't see how it can happen and you'd have to trade for him as well. He's not making a ton. Um, it just, you'd have to subtract somewhere again. It would be an upgrade. I talked about this the other day when I talked about what's left. Yeah. There are players up to, out there that could be an upgrade, maybe a marginal upgrade, but you're going to have to subtract somewhere and the players that you want to subtract are going to be expensive to cut loose. You know, Ozuna, Rosario. Uh, AJ Evans says, any thoughts on Luke Luke Jackson most likely signing with the Giants? I have not heard that. Um, I've been saying all offseason that I think the Braves probably told Luke Jackson, hey, if you can get a major league deal somewhere, go for it. Great. If not, let us know, and we'll sign you on a minor league deal. So I'd be surprised if he signed a minor league deal with any other team than the Atlanta Braves, unless he just feels like there's a better path for him at the big league level. Christopher Shaffey also asked, do you think Dylan Lee will have another great year this season? I think he's somebody that we could see regress a little bit. Look, the Braves have a lot of players that I think are going to have better performances in 2023. You talk about Acuna, even Matt Olson, who had a great year last season. Obviously, Ozzie Albies you know, essentially gave us nothing last year. Same for Eddie Rosario. I think those are four candidates. We talked about Charlie Morton this episode as well. So a fifth candidate that I think is very likely to give us more in 2023, but there's going to be players who regress. I think Dylan Lee could be a certain candidate for that. Kyle Wright as well. Another one. Um, Pierce Gilbert with the whole at shortstop, did the Braves sign an Elvis Andrews and let Grissom work it out in AAA, or did the Braves rock with Grissom the whole way? I've heard they could be in on Correa. Um, Chad Javers act, act also asked, are the Braves actually in on Correa? I have not seen that from any reputable sources. If you would like to send that source to me in, in my uh, DMs on Twitter, I would gladly uh, take a look at that, but I've not seen that from any reputable sources that I know that the Braves are interested in. Correa, it would have to be, you know, a one-year, two-year deal at a high AAV. I don't see the Braves going 
long term for Correa. Um, so I don't see that as a fit. Elvis Andrews, I've talked about that. It all depends on how the Braves view Vaughn Grissom. Do they think he can handle the position defensively, or are you at least willing to um, to give him a chance to grow there? Um, if not, then I think you need. I think you do go out and sign an Elvis Andrews or an Jose Iglesias and let Grissom continue to work at AAA. But I can't tell you that because I, I haven't seen the workouts with Vaughn Grissom. None of us have. Rom Layton, I mentioned this the other day, did a great thread going back and look at all the ground balls that Vaughn Grissom took last year, and it's convinced him that he can handle the position defensively. But it's just going to be one of those things that until we see it, uh, and I think spring training, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be big for him. It's just really that unknown. But it also depends on the contract for either Andrews or Iglesias. Can you get them on one year, $4 million? If you can, then why not? And, and give give some depth and, and give it a veteran who can help Grissom along. You know, And then you get to spring training and Grissom's not ready. Then you send him in a AAA and let one of those guys start. If you get to spring training and Grissom looks great and you think he can handle the position then that's great then you move one of those players to the bench and they become you know a veteran leader uh, in the clubhouse and they can play multiple positions so i wouldn't hate it depending on the price again if you could get andrews or iglesias on a one-year deal for even six million or less at this point they're already over the luxury tax and then i certainly wouldn't hate the idea James Sanders, Saunders says, love Charlie. He can really spin it. Hope he has more success, especially against the Phillies. They really teed off him in last year. Yeah, the home run balls, um, it's just it's crazy how it shot up so much. But again, you look at that heat map that I threw up, and you can see how he was just missing right over the middle of the plate when he missed. Chad Shaver says, maybe a one-year deal so he can show that he can be healthy and productive. Um, I'm not, I think that was in reference to Correa, and that's kind of what I talked about. If the Braves were going to do something, um, I got four questions in a row talking about Bauer. I kind of already answered that. I don't think it's a fit for the Braves, and I don't think they should sign him. Ranky Torres, I think the Braves should have passed on Charlie, especially for $20 million. Guys, hits a lot of batters with 0-2 counts, gives up a lot of home runs. And half a season, he's trying to find his stuff. Uh, I talked about it at the top. I think the injury had a lot to do with that and just a miss of location. I think there's a very good chance he's better next year. I will agree with you though. I think giving him 20 million was perhaps not the best idea. I was all for bringing Charlie Morton back at 12 to 15 million. Um, but that 20 million mark just makes it seem like you're signing a top of the rotation pitcher, which maybe that's not the case anymore. We've seen this off season top of the rotation pitchers are getting 27 to 30 million, but, uh, I just I thought that was a little bit of an overpay. I think they paid more for the veteran leadership and experience that he brings along with that because Charlie Morton's very much at a point in his career where he could say, I'm just going to pack it in and take it home. So maybe it took a little extra to convince him to come back. Some of you also still talking about signing Bauer. Uh, I just I don't see it. I don't think the Braves want to take that on. Um Steve-O says, I pray for a healthy team. That's it. Would love to see that specifically for Ronald Acuna Jr. Please, please, please give me a full healthy season of Ronald Acuna Jr. I've been saying for years, if we can get that, he's going to win an MVP, and I truly believe that. So let me just get a healthy year of Ronald Acuna Jr. But yes, hopefully 
we get a, hel- a healthy year for everybody. Soroka as well, all breaks down, says, would love get a healthy year from him. Uh, James Saunders thinks Ozuna is going to have a comeback year. Uh, I hope so, but I've, I didn't love the signing originally when it happened. I thought the Braves paid off a small sample size in 2020. And look, uh, I know I'm repeating myself for those who, who listen to every episode. I apologize. Uh, thank you, first of all, for doing that. But Ozuna, you put him out there 500 times a year or 500 at-bats a year, he's going to hit 25, 30 home runs. That's what he's going to do. In between those home runs, he gives you nothing. He can't play defense. He can't run. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. That's my, other than the off-field stuff, that is one of my biggest complaints with Marcelo Zuna is that outside of hitting a home run every you know 20 at-bats or so, he does nothing for you in between that. Looking at a couple more questions here. Double uh, A says, I can see someone taking a chance on Bauer closer to playoff time if he isn't signed by then. Like I said, somebody's probably going to take a chance on Bauer. I think it's most likely going to be a, a small, small market team, somebody who needs a spark. I don't see anybody. I don't know. It, it's really a, a weird situation. I think somebody will probably take a chance on him. Uh, Leo Messi says, in your opinion, Arcia or Grissom? I've kind of gone back and forth on this as well. I said earlier in the offseason, let Grissom start at AAA and continue to work on defense. And then, you know, hopefully if that all goes well, come up in a month or two and just start with Arcia or sign Andrews or Iglesias and start with them and give Grissom a little bit more time to develop. But I'm not going to lie. After seeing the highlights that Aram Layton put up, and yes, he's putting up just the highlights, I'm kind of starting to turn the corner on this and saying just, you know, if Grissom earns it during spring training, just hand him the keys and let him drive, and let's see what happens. Double A says spring training is going to be interesting. I, I think so as well. Corey Carter says I think Dylan Dodd may come up this year. I did Dylan Dodd or featured Dylan Dodd on this week's uh, Monday Miners, so make sure you go back and check that out. Um, I love Dylan Dodd. I think he has a potential to come up this year if needed. He's just so far down on the depth chart right now because the Braves have a lot of starting pitching depth, but. I do like Dylan Dodd a lot. Uh, Jacob Randy says, if the Braves go big, which player you think they go after? There's not anybody free agent-wise big to go after right now. We talked about that on on Wednesday's episode. There's just not a lot out there free agent-wise. The only real big ticket out there right now is Brian Reynolds. And I certainly think the Braves will be in the conversation. And I think they have a prospect hall good enough to get him. but I think that prospect package could get beat by 20 other teams out there. Um, but I think they'll certainly you know, be asking and looking at Brian Reynolds. Kwame says, off topic, we can get a goal glove outfielder with 20-plus home run power for one to two million. And Yasel Puig, yeah, I don't, I don't see that uh, necessarily happening either. Uh, James Saunders, can you go – can you go hit Grissom some grounders and tell us if he can do it, Jake? I would love to. Nothing more than I would love. I'd actually love somebody to hit me some ground balls, but I uh, would certainly I would love to be a fly on the wall watching Von Grissom work with Ron Washington this offseason. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Gary Corey Carter says, is there no market for Duvall? We couldn't get out of a mailbag Friday without one question about Adam Duvall. I don't know what the market there's a 
and again, I talked about this on the midweek podcast, what's left out there. What's left out there is a lot of fringe starting outfielders. You know, A.J. Pollock's, the Robbie Grossman's, the Adam Duvall's of the world. There's still a lot of those guys available. So I think there maybe there's not a market for those guys, but um, I, I don't know. Because like I said, there's a lot of solid corner outfielders you know, fringe-type starters, but guys out there who could be had, and Adam Duvall is one of them. Um, maybe he comes back to the Braves. We talk about it enough. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I've said all along I wouldn't hate it. Um, but, again, it's already pretty crowded. I thought when they signed Leplo that that was a, a sign that they were moving on from Duvall. But it is a little surprising. Um, you know, he finished the year injured, so I'm sure teams are hoping to get a little bit of a, a discount on him. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of solid outfielders still available, you know, fourth outfielder types or platoon type outfielders. Um, double a says Jake for shortstop in Atlanta, sign me up Uh shortstop ball playing shortstop in Atlanta would certainly love to do that. Jacob Randy, last one here. If Braves go after a left fielder, who do you think they would go after? Why not Adam Duvall? Um, I would love AJ Pollock. I think uh, he's more of a platoon um guy at this point right-handed platoon but could still play every day i think that would be solid i think he could be a little bit more expensive than what they're hoping for um but i think he's a free agent still out there you know that could be an upgrade for sure so i like aj pollock if we're talking about free agents now we're talking trades go get brian reynolds you know give up all the pitchers that you have to at the minor league level and go get brian reynolds that would be the one Big upgrade, and I don't think I mentioned this, but I apologize. I can't remember which listener said it to me afterwards, but if the Braves are going to make any kind of significant upgrade the rest of the offseason, it's going to have to be through trades. There's just nobody out there on the free agent market that's a fit that would be a big upgrade to the current roster. So any significant upgrades at this point, and, and um, Jacob Randy was specifically asking about um, you know, what big – outfielder they could go after it would have to be through a trade there's just nobody left on the free agent market that the braves could go get that would be well i say that carlos correa is technically still available so yeah take all that back carlos correa is out there that would certainly be a big get for the braves but i still don't think it's going to happen but who knows can never count out alex anthopolis all right that'll do it for this episode of a lockdown braves as always thank you for submitting all of those great questions. Really do appreciate it. Hope you all have a great weekend. Again, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Braves. Really do enjoy the interaction with all of you. Now, now go make your second listen to Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, where our friend Lindsey Crosby, a prospect encyclopedia, is talking about the biggest stars of tomorrow. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstop ball make sure you rate review and subscribe to the lockdown braves podcast wherever you get your podcast and we will talk to you next time hey this is stacy gotsoulias dc lundberg ryan finkelstein taylor blake ward host of locked on yankees locked on mariners locked on mets locked on angels and you're listening to locked on braves locked on braves locked on braves part of the locked on podcast network 